Welcome to Activate Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you, and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Hey, it's eight days till Christmas. Does that freak you out? Freaks me out. I can't believe it, but I love Christmas. I do. I love Christmas. I I love, uh, yes, I love the story about Jesus, but I'll tell you, the other thing I really love about Christmas is food. And and I I do, I love food. And at Christmas time, honestly, it feels like the gift that just keeps on giving because... You know, at Christmas Day, uh, you you have so much food and, and you know, you over-cater because uh, you don't want to run out. But then, like Boxing Day, no one's cooking. You've just got so much food left over. In fact, over the, if, you, if you plan Christmas Day right, you don't have to cook for the next week. It's just seven days in a row. You can just keep eating. And, and, and by the way, like, if you're a person like me that loves to eat, just because I care about you, I want to give you a little tip. Um, do you know the time that you're supposed to stop eating is when you're so full and you have to just sit back and take that little breath? Like when you're full and you go, that's when you stop. So you're not supposed to eat after that point. And if you do, you'll end up in a food coma. Uh, we call that an afternoon nap. And you will do it because you just, you eat so much. You have to practice self-control uh, at Christmas time. It's one of the things that's very important, particularly for me. I'll tell you my favorite thing to eat at Christmas time. It's not even Christmas food. To be honest, you can eat this all year round. It's, it's peanut M&Ms and I love them. And they seem to make their way to every Christmas function because I'll buy them. Um, and... and <laughs> And last Christmas, I'll tell you the truth, last Christmas, somebody bought me a box. None of this packet, that's too small for me. Not a little packet, it's coming in a box, right? And so I got the box and Sarah and I, we sat down. She was complicit in all of this. And, and so I got the box out and I, and I started eating M- peanut m while I was watching a movie, right? And there were so many, and my plan was to really space that out over about five or six days, right? But I remember at the end of the movie, fishing around in the box for one more M&M, and something had happened that I didn't plan on happening, and it was terribly disappointing, right? But I ate the whole box, the whole box of M&Ms, and I thought, man, this is not the way I saw this going. I did not feel good about it the next day, but I did because, you know, you're watching the movie and you forget about it, and uh, to be honest, it's filled with a whole heap of regret, you know? And, uh, and it's easy to have that feeling. I don't know if you've ever felt that feeling like, you know, I, I wish I never did that. Okay, there's more serious regrets than eating a whole box of peanut M&Ms, but that was my regret last Christmas. And it's easy to have that feeling like, you know, hey, I just wish I didn't do that. And uh, I don't know if you've ever felt that before, like you've just didn't plan on doing something, but then you just found that you were doing it and, and suddenly you, you just filled with regret, wish that you never did. I want to ask you a question this morning. What would you change about 2017 if you could? What would you change about this year if you could? What would you have done this year? And if you could go back in time, you would just change everything out. Maybe for you, you sent an SMS that you didn't really mean to send. Or if you sent an SMS to the wrong person and you were typing about somebody, but you sent that SMS to them, you're like, you just wish that you never did that. Or you may have put up like a, a, a you know, Facebook post or something, you know, and you posted it. And then like, for example, you just decided that Facebook was a great place to share your opinion. No, no, it's not. 
and then you just took it down because you can't be bothered dealing with everyone else's opinions, you know. Or it might be something really small, like maybe you just got a haircut and you looked at it and thought, I can't pull this off, this is not me, you know. And, and, and you know, the good news is, is that your hair will grow back, so that's one that you can get out of. Maybe you just uh, like my wife and haven't done Christmas shopping, which is very important. So uh, that's, that's the other thing. But... Wouldn't it just be nice if you could just start again? Wouldn't it be nice if you could like go back in time and just start fresh and start again and just clear away all the mistakes and everything that you did that you wish you didn't do? You could just go back to the start and say, it's like it never happened. Well, I want to tell you a story today about a guy uh, and this happened to this guy. He got a fresh start. He got a clean break and his name was Zacchaeus. And they have a song about Zacchaeus, and I did want to sing it, but it it sounds Scottish in my head because he was a wee little man, and we don't speak like that. So I practice it, but I want you to come back, so I'm not going to sing it. So, but there's a song about Zacchaeus, and you might have heard a little bit about him. And I thought I would, you know, just take the time to explain to you a little little bit about Zacchaeus before I tell you this story. Zacchaeus was what we might call vertically challenged, okay? So, so he, was, he was short, he was vertically challenged, and he was, what the Bible says, was the chief tax collector. And I don't know if you know this, but this is the only time in the New Testament where it ever talks about a chief tax collector. And there were three main uh, parts or cities that would do the tax collecting. And he was the chief tax collector for Jericho. And if we were going to if you had a business uh, and we were going to label it, we'd probably call it the Jericho Tax Cartel. Uh, that's what it would be called because uh, everything that they did uh, was wrong. Let me explain to you how it worked. The tax collectors would buy all the tax debts from Rome and then they'd pass the costs onto the people. But the people never really knew how much they were getting taxed by the Romans who were ruling at the time. So the tax collectors would make a little bit of money in the middle by paying the taxes, but then passing the cost onto the people and uh, they would always pass on the extra cost. So tax collectors were not people that were really loved. Nobody loved them. You would love a tax collector about as much as you would love a parking inspector by, beside your car when you have been there too long. It's like every time they show up, it's going to cost you money. And to be honest, that's how people felt about uh, tax collectors. And so the story that we have about Zacchaeus, uh, it's found in Luke chapter 19, and I'm, uh, it should be on the screens for you guys. I'm going to preach this uh, straight out of uh, chapter 19 and verse 1. It says, He entered Jericho, and it's talking about Jesus. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Uh, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, because, you know, he'd heard about him. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was... Well, he was just short. He was vertically challenged. He was small in stature. So we ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus. Now, I think that's interesting because this is the first time they've met. So don't you think it's kind of interesting that he knew his name when it was the first time that they'd met? It's because God spoke to him and said, hey, this man's name is Zacchaeus. And he said to him, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down, and he, you know, Zacchaeus, he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, so all the people were there, because there's a big crowd of people. When they saw it, they all grumbled. Here's what they said. 
He has gone into the uh, gone into be a guest of a man who is a sinner. Oh, how frightfully dreadful and awful! All of them they didn't realize that they were all sinners too. Maybe I don't know. Uh, verse eight. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, "Behold." Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, like everyone, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus had a bad reputation. I imagine Zacchaeus to be the kind of person that walked into a room, and when he got there, the whole room would go silent. Because people would see him and then, hey, do you know who that is? Man, that's Zacchaeus. He had a reputation. I would go so far as to say that Zacchaeus probably knew his own reputation. He would have known what people were saying about him. I don't feel like I need to be a psychologist to explain this. If I'm raising my kids and I keep calling them bad kids, eventually they're going to grow up to believe that they are bad kids. We call that a label, and you have experience with labels. People have labeled you in your past. I don't think that anybody should be labeled just on something that they've done. We don't want to label people what they've done, but Zacchaeus was getting labeled all over the place. And the labels that he would have worn as he would walk around were things like thief. He would have worn the label of short. Okay, but that was fair because he actually was very, very short. But how about greedy? How about hated? So labels Zacchaeus wore. I wonder about you today. I wonder what you believe to be true about you. I wonder what are the labels that you're wearing today. And here's what's interesting is that even though you could have been labeled 30 years ago, somewhere it's stuck and you've never taken the label off and you still believe things about you that other people spoke about you in your past. But just because they said it doesn't mean that it's necessarily true. It's amazing how labels stick to you. For example, I've heard people say this. Not Christians, but particularly people that are not Christians, they say, No, I couldn't walk into a church. If I walked into a church, the whole place would crumble down around me. Have you ever heard anybody say that? See, what they don't know is that the church is here just for people like that. The church is here for everyone. And if you want to get technical, we don't even think the church is a building, but that's another sermon altogether. The church exists for people that are far from God. But it's so interesting how people disqualify themselves because of the labels that they wear and because of what other people have stuck to them. Zacchaeus wore the label of being short. Because he was. Because he was short, he couldn't see Jesus when Jesus came to town. I genuinely believe that for some people... Naturally, it's more difficult for them to see Jesus. Just naturally, I think it's more difficult for some people to see Jesus. Maybe because of the home that they were raised in. Maybe because they disqualified themselves because of the labels that they were stuck with as they were growing up. Maybe it's because their parents labeled them. And because of that, they never thought that they would really get an opportunity or a chance to really meet Jesus and who he was. 
Naturally, it's harder for some people to see him just because they were taught something about God that maybe wasn't true when they were younger. No, he's not real. (laughs) Got to tell you something. My wife, Sarah, who also pastors this church, when I first met her, she did not believe in God. She didn't believe in God up until the moment that she met me. Now, I'm not saying that I am God, (laughs) but I am a fairly good representation of his grace and good. No, that's not. All right. So I'm okay. But the point is when I met her, she didn't believe in God, but I started to talk to her about who God was and something inside of her, it began to shift and it began to change. And it kind of changed because she had positioned herself by just hanging out with me. You know, if you position yourself right, you might be able to see Jesus and perhaps even for the first time. And I think there's all kinds of ways that you can position yourself. Like, honestly, look where we are. We're in church right now. I mean, this is a great position to see what Jesus has done. But you could join a small group. I mean, gosh, if you don't want to come to church, just join a small group. You can be a part of that. You don't have to come to church. Join a small group and be surrounded by people that are going to cheer you on. And rather than label you with the stuff that's in your past, they'll start to call out of you maybe the good things that God has put into you. That's the way that you can position yourself. I mean, I just think that you could even position yourself by going to the beach one day and sitting down and just asking God where he is in all of this. And I think that God can speak to you. I think that you could position yourself by climbing up a sycamore tree and waiting for Jesus to pass by. You could position yourself to see something that you've never seen before. And my point is really, if you want to know him, he'll reach you. But Zacchaeus didn't really know that. So he runs on ahead and he climbs up a sycamore tree and he waits for Jesus to come that way. So I read that story and then I had a thought. Man, why was he going that way in the first place? Because when he gets there, doesn't he see Zacchaeus? And doesn't he say to Zacchaeus, I must come to your house? I started to think. Well, if he must go to Zacchaeus' house, if that was the house that he was supposed to go to, maybe the the reason why he was walking that way was just to meet Zacchaeus in the first place. Did Zacchaeus just happen to find himself in the path of Jesus? Or was it actually that Jesus was always going to walk after Zacchaeus? Kind of made me think about it. You know, Jesus doesn't do anything by chance. In fact, here's what I think. I don't think that anyone is here today by chance. You know, the thing is, you, you, you come to church or you came here today. And even in your mind, you say, I just came here to see some grandkids. I just came here to support my kids. I just came here to see some friends. We just decided today. I don't think you're here by chance. I don't think it was chance the first day that I walked back into church. That wasn't chance. It wasn't chance for me the moment that I turned down a street with no street signs to find a church I didn't know existed and walk into that place at a time in my life where I'm so far from God and find my family sitting in the church and I didn't even know they went there. I don't think... That that was chance. No, I'm not that lucky. I'm not that lucky. And you know what I realize? That what often looks like good luck is Jesus' plan. It's his plan. I think Jesus 
wanted me to be in church on that day. I think Jesus wanted to meet Zacchaeus that day, which is kind of why he was walking that way in the first place. And my question is, what if Jesus wanted you here today? What if he did? What if he wanted you here today? And what if right now, even as I'm speaking, I mean, he's making his way to you. What if he's making his way to you right now? And I tell you, a guy that knows the feeling, his name is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus knew. He saw Jesus coming and walking straight towards him. And now here's Zacchaeus. Jesus calls him by name. He says, hey, come down out of that tree. And here's what he does. He he says to Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house today. Do you know what he was really saying? He's saying, Zacchaeus, in front of all of these people, I want you to know that I'm not ashamed to hang out with you. I'm not ashamed to be your friend. And even though all these people might disagree, I don't really care about what they think. Oh, you've got to meet my Jesus. Because he doesn't care about what the masses think. He's interested in you. He knew what Zacchaeus did. He knew his name and he knew his reputation maybe. He knew what he did. Guess what? This morning, God knows your name. He might know your reputation. He knows everything you've done. And he says, I'm not ashamed to hang out with you. And I think what you really need to understand about all of this is that you are not so small or too far that God can't reach you. No matter what you've done. No matter your reputation, no matter your history, he isn't really too concerned about with what other people think. He doesn't worry about that. He's just interested in reaching you. And so now here's Jesus and he comes to Zacchaeus' house and he says something and we don't really know what he says. But at the end of it, we know what Zacchaeus did. Zacchaeus says, right, I'm going to take half of everything I've got and I'm going to give it to the poor. Half. That's very generous. And then he says, if I've defrauded anyone, anyone, it was a lot of people. He says, I'm going to pay them back four times what I took from them. I don't think that would have left Zacchaeus with a lot to his name, but he did it. And you have to ask the question, why? Why did he do it? Later on, of course, you read the story and Jesus says, oh, salvation has come to this house, but I need to explain this to you. Because salvation didn't come to his house because he gave away what he had. No, no, no. That's just what's happening on the the outside. No. No, Zacchaeus, he wanted a fresh start. And he met someone called Jesus that was willing to give it to him. And he took it. And when he did, something changed on the inside. And it simply made its way to the outside. And what you see sometimes on the outside is what's already taken place inside of people's hearts. I don't know if you really know why Jesus came to planet Earth. We just did a whole play about the fact that he came. But do you know why he came? I mean, 
Most people know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. For he did not come into the world to condemn the world, but he came in order to give people a fresh start. He came in order to wipe the slate clean. He came in order to forgive people of everything that they've ever done. He came in order that the world might be saved by him. And when Zacchaeus heard that, something happened inside of him. And he saw a chance and he took it. He found his starting block. Do you know what your starting block is? Man, it's worth so much to people. It's just your starting block. When you find a place of traction in your life where you can start again, start something clean, start something fresh. I'll tell you the truth about me. I, I remember the first time I walked into church. It was the first time in a long time. And I encountered God in such a powerful way. And then I knew he was real. And you would think that that would totally transform me. No, no, no. It, Zacchaeus was so much smarter than me because... In a moment, Zacchaeus made his way from what was changing inside. It made its way to the outside, not me. For 12 months, what was happening inside was very slowly, bit by bit, making its way to the outside. And one day, being so disappointed in my lack of ability to change who I was on the outside, I came to church late. And I walked in, I was so late that they were already preaching the message. And as I was late, I decided to save some time and just cut across the grass on the way into church that day. I walked through the doors, the sermon was going, the preacher was preaching. I sat down in my seat and then he said, Ben, and he called out my name. And now I felt just like Zacchaeus did. He called out my name. And I remember at the time thinking, I hope he's speaking to the men because there's lots of men, but I'm the only Ben. And so I was thinking, please let me be one of many. I opened my eyes, but now he's just looking at me. And here's what he said to me. He said, God wants you to know that he heard what you said under your breath. And what I was saying under my breath that day was, why can't I change? Why am I still repeating the same behaviors? I'm so disappointed in myself. And he said, God heard what you said under your breath as you walked into church this day. And he wants you to know that everything's going to be okay. And on that day, I'd been sitting in church for 12 months, but I found my starting block. I realized that God was willing to give me a fresh start, but that's just my story. So recently I was at a cafe and I uh, sat down and some people sat next to me and, and I had seen them before, but I didn't really know them. And I didn't really understand that the woman that was sitting next to me was so far from God, but that she, she was looking for Jesus too. And incidentally, she had positioned herself next to me. And so we kind of started talking and I didn't know where she was at, but I knew she wasn't close to God. And I said to her, hey, can I tell you my story? And she said, yes. And I, I told her my story. And as I began to describe things that God had done in my life, she started to 
get tears in her eyes. I mean, it was hilarious. Both ladies were just crying. The, the, the waitress came four times to take their order, and every time they did, the ladies were crying. So they were just like, I'm sorry, we can't order right now. And, and in the end, I just said to the waitress, look, I'm not done here yet, so you can't, I'll come get you when they're ready to take your order, but they need to hear this story. And she was like, fine. So the waitress walked off. I told her my story, and at the end of listening to all of this, the lady, I knew that she understood the God was real, that he was there, that he was speaking to her in that very moment. Jesus had been making his way to her through my story. And at the very end of it, I said to her these words, I said, you know what? I found my starting block. And let me tell you something today. I said, today, this is yours. And she said, I know. And she was wiping tears from her eyes. She knew. She knew for the first time, even though she'd heard the stories before, that God loved her and that He wanted to give her a fresh start. And God gave a fresh start to me. God gave a fresh start to that lady in a cafe that day. He gave a fresh start to Zacchaeus. And my promise to you is this, is that if you need a fresh start today, God will give it to you. He'll give it to you. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.